From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is episode 234 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to Ministry Monday wherever you listen to your podcasts each week, and thank you for joining us today. Well, I hope you had a lovely holiday season and are well-recovered, or maybe on the way to being well-recovered, after the immense amount of effort and time I know you contributed to Christmas season celebrations in our Universal Church today. Thank you for all you do in ministry. I'm happy to share this first episode of 2024 with you. You know, January so often comes with New Year's resolutions, which quite honestly are sometimes out of vogue these days. But what if we as sacred musicians made a personal continuing education resolution for 2024. This week on Ministry Monday, I speak to Vince Carr from the American Guild of Organists, or AGO for short. Vince details the AGO certification program for organ, specifically in regards to the two dual certificate opportunities available to NPM and AGO members which are the Service Playing Certification and the Colleague Exam, also known colloquially as CAGO. This was an incredibly beneficial conversation and one that I strongly recommend. On an editorial note, I should share that I am a product of some of the continuing education certificate programs that both NPM and AGO offer. They are something that I really truly believe are a feather in my cap, and I don't say that with ego, I say that with pride because I know that while it takes work, it is a professional accomplishment that has furthered my skills in ministry and also furthered me professionally. Today on Ministry Monday, I am speaking with Vince Carr from the American Guild of Organists. Hi Vince, how are you today? Hi Amanda, doing well, thank you so much. Good. Good. Thank you for being on Ministry Monday today to talk about professional certification. It is a topic that, uh, I, as you know, is very near and dear to my heart, and I'm really excited to have you on. So thank you for being here today. It's a pleasure to be here. Vince, what is your title with the AGO? Since uh, July of 2020, I have worked as one of the volunteer board members, which we call the National Council uh, for the American Guild of Organists. And um, each counselor has kind of a little portfolio that's a part of theirs. Uh, mine just happens to be a big portfolio because the AGO is an educational organization by its nature. 
So I'm the National Counselor for Education. And uh, as part of the National Council, I just oversee the committees that are under me, of which we have four currently. And they've been through a little bit of transformation as we've gone through the pandemic and streamlining and stuff like that. Um, but those four committees are the Committee on Pipe Organ Encounters, uh, which I would say pipe organ encounters are probably one of the most impactful educational uh, programs of the last generation. Uh, I, perhaps no program has had a greater impact on getting young organists involved. So that's a really special program that uh, we have at the Guild. We also have the Committee on Professional Certification, which deals with the nuts and bolts of certification and how it's also evolving uh, with the 21st century and, and other things like that. Uh, we also have, because we've actually increased our scholarship portfolio so significantly, um, I decided to uh, kind of move committees around a little bit and created a scholarships and grants committee. So this is uh, a committee that helps to adjudicate scholarships that the Guild gives out, whether it's the Pogorzelski Yankee Scholarship, the Salisbury Scholarship, the newly created Oregon Scholar Program. Um, so they're a committee that will help to adjudicate some applications and also determine kind of the requirements uh, for each of those, what, what might be fair requirements or advise in that capacity. And then last but not least is um, a newly created committee, which is the Committee on Educational Programming. Uh, this used to be the Committee on the New Organist, and the New Organist could be someone young, it could be someone old, it could be someone um, just brand new to the organ, just an aficionado, really. Uh, and so really, we're trying to look at that holistically. So that committee is really responsible for just more broadly speaking, how can the Guild best serve its members and even those who are not members from an educational standpoint. So what kinds of programs are really needed out in the real world uh, in terms of education? So we try to identify gaps and, um, you know, just kind of see for everyday organists, what are the most helpful things that we could provide? Wow. So you do a lot. And you hire a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I, I often say it's my unpaid full-time job. <laughs> so. I'm familiar with that idea. Yeah, I, I know. Like you said, though, I mean, I, one of the things we've talked about at NPM is in before I say this, let me just mention too. like I'm not I'm not disrespecting higher education in any way, but the, the shape of the organist, the shape of the sacred musician is shifting a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, higher education isn't as prominent. And so continuing education is, I think, even more important because some of the organists and sacred musicians that we see today um, may have had piano as their first instrument and then organ as their secondary instrument. Um, or maybe they went for a different degree entirely, but really find fulfillment in um, assisting in a liturgy, assisting in a church service on the organ uh, as, again, like a second job. And so it, it is kind of this area where I, I just so believe professional continue, continuing ed and professional certification can really help to support those types of real world sacred musicians today. I couldn't agree more. You know, we, we've often had kind of a, a boxed, a really nicely packaged educational model, just saying uh, four years of high school, four years of college, this is going to serve you. This will be the beginning and the end of everything. Um, and it, it's unfortunately, it's not because uh, the product that's being delivered by higher ed is in any way a bad product. It's not at all. But 
uh, I don't think it's been able to keep up with how fast the world is changing. And what's interesting is that we're actually, you know, things come to repeat throughout history, right? The, the certification program was actually started because people in the middle of the country or people uh, who didn't have access to education at the beginning of the 20th century had the possibility of earning credentials um, even if they couldn't afford to go to college or the or in some cases the programs didn't even exist um, programs in sacred music were just so rare and so um, this really identified a need and we're kind of returning back to that because people yes can go to college but not every college program is going to cover every single thing that you need to know nor will the certification program but the certification program does provide a standard you can't say that a degree from x university is the same as a degree from y university is the same as a degree from a z university but what you can say about say the service playing certificate is that all of those successful candidates all did the same thing relatively and they did it well and they proved themselves they set a goal they really worked hard towards it and they were able to be uh, adjudicated in a way that said yeah they have this skill level so it kind of creates a standard for all of us and and a, a really great sense of achievement but i agree that as we go forward um, with so many students deciding maybe not to pursue more advanced education uh, the cost of higher ed has just gone absolutely bonkers um, so now people are left with all of these continuing education opportunities. And I do believe that that's going to play a big part in education of the future. You know, how people decide to kind of create bespoke educational opportunities for themselves uh, by really targeting the things that they want to focus on. Right. I agree. So we've talked a lot about the many options that AGO offers. Let's fine tune it just a little bit and talk about professional certification with AGO. Now, at the time of this recording, um, I know that AGO recently underwent changes to some of the professional certifications that they offer. Before we even talk about what those are, would you mind sharing why those changes are now in place? Well, I think the most important thing that an organization can do nowadays is to be self-reflective and to assess where they are, to listen to membership, um, to kind of get the temperature of what the educational landscape looks like. And I feel like when I arrived in 2020, the certification program had moved along kind of steadily through the years, but never really truly committed to a really, really rigorous uh, self-evaluation uh, and sort of see how we can how we can be better, how we can how we can be um, more in more kind of incisive in the way uh, we're putting the exams out and the way we're conducting them, all all of the things. It's kind of all of the above, whether it's procedural process or the exams themselves. And so the first thing I did was to create just a massive survey of of membership to, and, and particularly targeting those who had done certifications to just say, we want to hear from you. And I actually left, you know, a decent amount of space in the kind of open answer section, because I feel like organists, when given the opportunity, are always going to tell you how they feel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, and sure enough, uh, they delivered. So we had about 90 pages of single space feedback 
Wow. And, and, and you, 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 you know, like you can see common threads uh, when you go through it, right? So you can see that there are certain complaints perhaps about repertoire. Uh, one of those being the kind of overly academic nature of the repertoire, I think really with um, with a lot of the kind of social consciousness that we've had since spring of 2020 and, and George Floyd, we've been very keenly aware of uh, things like repertory and, and how things can be more diverse in terms of our requirements. And for me, that was a very natural transition because for the last 20 years, I've been playing a lot of music by diverse composers. Sometimes it's been a very lonely kind of pursuit, but but I but I've done it. So it really gave us the opportunity to rectify that. I mean, when I came on, we actually did not have a single composition by a person of color or a woman. Wow. On the, on the certification requirements. Wow. Like that was that was shocking. We were so adamant about making um a change to it that we actually made the bold decision to change the requirements in the middle of the year which oh, we never wow. do but and rather than take anything out we didn't take anything out but we just said you're welcome as a supplement you can these are also other options that would be acceptable in lieu of the pieces that are on the on the repertoire and then with the next cycle we were able to rectify that so i i think as part of our exploration of of what we can do better and and how we can improve the quality of the program, um, that was that was really the impetus. Uh, and then it started what I've basically devised as a three year plan, which will hopefully not it's not going to end, but it will at least come to fruition by the time uh, this summer arrives, where we've really taken three years to kind of evaluate everything, see what's next, um, see how we can implement some things. Um, but it's it's been a really fascinating process. It's also one where I think it involves a lot of maturity, you know, because we have to admit that we didn't do the best things at, at certain points in times. Um, and that's OK. That All great organizations who have a lot of strength and they have a lot of integrity are willing to say, yep, uh, we could have done better there or we 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 really need to listen to these people at this moment in time. So that's what we're really committed to. So things like diversity of repertoire have uh, been put on. There were sections that we received just lots of complaints about. Um, so, for example, the general music knowledge uh, question on the associate exam. It's a great it was a great question, but it, it was also just kind of like a gotcha moment of the music history textbook. You know, you didn't know what you were going to get. And I should add that um, when we really started to think about these changes, the most important voice, we were two super important voices that we wanted to listen to were Walter Hilza, who was what I would call the uh, the chief examiner of the guild for about 50 years and Paul Wolf, who's the coordinator of the exam program, we wanted to make sure that we had their input, input that these changes were not going to be something that were just kind of rushed into or any of that. Uh, so really due diligence was front and center. And, and they really were very supportive of all the changes that we wanted to bring about, uh, whether they were to replace that question with something different, change the repertoire choices, um, provide kind of training models for candidates, things like that. Let's talk a little bit about the breakdown, if you don't mind, uh, mm -hmm. keeping in mind that this is a podcast in relation in correlation with NPM, National Association of Pastoral Musicians. 
And so um, we, in particular, if it's okay with you, are going to chat quite a bit about the two exams that are options as dual certification for NPM and AGO. First and foremost, let's talk a little bit about the SPC, the Service Playing Certification Exam. If anyone is listening to this and is considering getting the certification for SPC, um, what, if any, were any changes made to that? Um, there weren't any really super substantial changes to it uh, in terms of what was being asked, but the repertoire did change. Um, so, for example, you'll see that NPM candidates would be encouraged, for example, in the repertoire to choose things that might be chant based for example. Um, and one of the things, if you if you look at the requirements, like in list B, uh, we included Jean de Messieu's, um, uh two, two of her chant, Gregorian chant choral preludes. And so there was a nice way in which we could find chant-based repertoire, have a female composer involved, and this would be something that we would steer candidates from MPM into that direction. When you get to things like um, psalm playing, you're going to, again, see that it's required that you do either a jellano or some kind of other psalm that's very typical in Roman Catholic settings. Um, and we updated those to, to just uh, include two settings of Psalm 23. Again, a psalm that Gosh, you would probably play. I don't know how many times, right? One of the things that is a is a common theme here is I actually um I'll tell a little anecdote here. Uh, when we were doing the examination hymn booklet, which is what SPC and CAGO candidates use, we were thinking about which hymns to include. And there was a time when somebody said, Well, let's put O Come All Ye Faithful in there. And somebody thought, well, why would we put O Come All Ye Faithful in there? We need to put like different hymns in there. We need to make sure that this is different and, and interesting and, and test worthy and all this stuff. And Marilyn Kaiser spoke up and she just said, well, of course, why would we not put that in there? They have to play it every Christmas. That's we right. Would that, we would hope that they know how to play it. And, and that really has been one of the guiding principles here, which is let's get into the weekly routine of these organists and, and put some of these things on the exams that would be uh, really relevant to what they do. You'll notice that there is on the SPC as well, um, they're required to play for their middle hymn, not something out, um, well, it's in the examination hymn booklet, but uh, there's also two options for that. So they can play Draw Near by Stephen Janko, um, or they can play A La Barre. So there is, um, uh, a Spanish language hymn uh, as well in the 2023 examination hymn booklet. So um, they have the option of not just doing, say, the traditional hymnody from the examination hymn booklet exclusively, but rather doing something that would be really common in, in a Roman Catholic setting, especially, and we were, we were really keen on having something Spanish language because so many Roman Catholic organists are going to be playing in bilingual settings. Um, so the, we also have a bilingual psalm uh, for that reason as well by Mary Frances Reza. So um, we're trying to be attentive of, of those things. Uh, so if you look at list B, so for your repertoire, as an NPM candidate, you have to choose either Dupre or Demisieu, which are both chant-based things. And then you uh, heard the psalmody and the hymnody, how those things are affected. Um so that kind of sets NPM candidates a little bit apart from, from others. And that directive is in the application guidelines, correct? If someone's yes. listening and they want to go over that. 
And I and I can't stress enough that whenever you're interested in this stuff, we we keep trying to tell people just go to certification, agohq.org slash certification. That will always have the most up-to-date information, whether it's the requirements. There used to be this, you know, this idea, oh, I got to get my July TAO. I got to get my July TAO. And it's like, folks, <laughs> we've we've moved on. We have the internet. You can look at you can look at the July TAO, but I mean, every year, it, God bless them, but we get letters from members who, you know, they scrutinize every grammatical part of the requirements in this as soon as the July TAO comes out. And God bless them. We love it, you know, but it's like, let's stop worshiping the July TAO. The requirements are a PDF, online you can look at it at any time and if if for any reason there was a misprint or anything that was incorrect we correct it as soon as possible and that pdf is updated so even more reason to really go with the, the updated pdf on the website and if you're an npm member and you don't know what tao is tao is the american organist which is AGO's equivalent of pastoral music magazine so it is your publication that you guys release so that's great Okay, a little, just a little bit more on the service playing exams. How often are they offered? Is it any time or are there certain dates that is offered every year? Yeah, we go from the, the October 1st, the beginning of October, to the very end of March. And, and a candidate can, can uh, apply to take it at any point. They take it in their home uh, parish or their home church setting or their hometown. There's no requirements that they have to go and find a certain type of organ. Everything is accepted. We want to make this as as friendly for the musician as possible. However, it is a proctored exam. So as part of their uh, application, they would make sure that they specify, you know, when they'd like to take it. The proctor needs to be available. Uh, oh, there's also a singer involved, uh, you know, like if you're doing the psalm or something like that. So uh, you just need to make coordinate those things. But basically, you can take it any time in between October 1st and March 31st. It's, in fact, the only exam that can be taken kind of at the convenience of the candidate. It's not a set date. And how long would you expect someone who is a beginner to intermediate on the organ? How long do you think it would take for someone to prepare for this type of exam, the, the service playing? I think for all of the exams, it's great for you to be in the kind of nine to 12 months uh, where if you want to start from scratch, right? Um, some candidates might take to the material a little bit faster. Um, that could maybe move up to six to nine months, uh, depending on on your course of study and how you adapt, all that stuff. Uh, but I really couldn't imagine you know, entering into this in less than six months, uh, you know, in terms of just getting it all together, particularly with for the service playing exam, the challenge is being able to play all of it in succession, right? Mm, if you point. may identify, and this is really true of, of most of the exams, you may be able to play something by itself, but try playing all of it back to back from beginning to end. And that's that that's both an endurance challenge. It's a concentration challenge. It's a technical challenge. So um, it's important to give yourself enough time uh, to be able to make this happen. Excellent. That's great. Now let's transition away from the service playing to the colleague exam, also known as the CAGO. So first off, were any changes overall made to the CAGO? 
And then second, what are some of the considerations for an NPM member for dual certification? Sure. So the, the colleague is our next step up, and that exam actually takes place in the fall and in the spring. And so, for example, for this year, that was November 17th, that exam occurred, and then May 17th, it'll occur in a few months. Um, but it's, it's usually November and May that that takes place, so you have to take it on one of those two dates. Very similar that you would have to uh, make the application. It's a proctored exam. Um, in terms of, of the actual layout of the exam, we have not made any changes um, to the layout of the exam. When you look at things that are required for uh, NPM, um, for example, in the hymn section, they're asked to play an ordinary setting, essentially. So um, this year, or the, with the current regulations, they're required to play the Gloria, the Carol T. Andrews Gloria from A New Mass for Congregations as the second hymn. So they're able to substitute a hymn for a piece of service music that would be commonly found. Additionally, the, the CAGO exam has a much more extensive uh, keyboard skills section. So the service playing, really, the only thing that is up in the air for a service playing candidate is the sight reading. That's it. So that's the only thing that's going to be brand new when you show up the day of the exam. With the colleague, however, there's a keyboard skills exam. And that keyboard skills exam has four parts. It has sight reading, similar uh, to the service playing. It has a harmonization question. In this one, NPM candidates are required to choose either a plain song melody, so a, a chant melody, or a folk style hymn tune. So they are they are required to do either one of those two. Um, there's a transposition. Um, excerpt, which is usually like a hymn-like thing that you'd have to take a step in either direction, and then improvisation. So they would have uh, to do a short improvisation based on material that we give them. But uh, as far as the repertoire goes, there's not requirements necessarily to repertoire, but I can point out a few things like that we, that we made, a few modifications. Like, let's just say, for example, how many times a Roman Catholic organist would play on eagle's wings right so we didn't put that hymn in the hymn booklet but if you look in the repertoire requirements we put a really beautiful organ piece based on on eagle's wings as as part of list c so they can choose something that is not just an academic exercise in learning organ repertoire but this is something that they'll be able to take to their next funeral that they play and they'll be able to play it as a prelude. So we wanted to really integrate it so that there's there's a real connection here between taking the exam and professionally preparing you for what you're doing as a part of your job. Um, that connection, I think, is really important. So you mentioned also, though, that the service playing has to be done in succession. Is that the case for the colleague? Yes. Uh, well, there are two. There are two large parts to the colleague. The first part, which involves all the prepared playing, that's all done together. And then the second part, which is the keyboard skills section, that's done as a separate section. And you're allowed a 20 minute preparation period. So you're allowed to look over the material for 20 minutes. And I think that this is such an important part of this assessment because it's not showing it's not a it's not a gotcha kind of 
uh, moment, right? You know, it, sometimes exams can be sort of like, let me just try to see how much I can trip you up, right? And that's really shouldn't be the goal of it. What we want to see is what people are able to do with a really short amount of time. So they're able to look over the material it, with the CAGO, you're allowed the, uh, the assistance of a piano so that you can really kind of work on this. And it's only 20 minutes, but it gives the candidate enough time to really internalize and put their musicianship on display far better than dropping something in front of them saying, okay, 60 seconds has, has started. And then 60 seconds later, you got to play X, Y, Z, you know, it's, it's kind of panic inducing. Um, and that, that really, that's, I, I think, you know, would be one of the things that I'd like to convey is that the committee's really cognizant of this. Um, we're going to be engaging a psychometrician pretty soon who, uh, a psychometrician is someone who looks at exam taking and exam development and determines like, are these questions successful? Is the procedure successful? Is it fair? Are there better ways to test this? Um, you know, because we're, we're always trying to think of better ways to be doing the, 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 the things that we put forth in the exams. Um, so, uh, I would be prepared for, for colleague, uh, candidates, you know, you would want to be practicing in that same environment. So take the past colleague exams, the keyboard skills part and practice it in like fashion. So give yourself the 20 minutes with it. So much of this is about test taking ability, right? Uh, so, you know, it's, it's working under pressure, but it's also about prioritizing, uh, what do you really need to be focusing on? How can you quickly get to things like transposition or harmonization? And then once you identify, you know, for a candidate who may be six months out and they're preparing, the, assess where are your where are your greatest weaknesses? And then that's where you need to go and start focusing your tutoring and your study. Also, to go back to the real world example as well, I definitely have had some gigs where I'm subbing and I show up. And I find out that maybe the person that I'm subbing for didn't mention to me that, oh, actually there was one more hymn that I swapped out that I forgot to tell you about. And I do in fact have 20 minutes to learn it. So that to me is a very real world example that I'm pleased <laughs> pleased to hear about. Um, I, I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but you, you mentioned um, to, to look at past exams. How, how does one get past exams to look at? Very easy. When you go to AGOHQ slash certification, each of the certifications is listed right at the top. And if you just click on the certification that you're preparing for, so if you were to click on the colleague, once you go there, you're going to have um, a whole web page that includes just kind of a description. It includes a way to get the hymn booklet, and it includes like six or seven years of past exams. Um, and they're just PDFs you can download and uh, get to work. And then below that, there are things, helpful kind of articles for exam preparation and study. I want to also mention one more thing about the dual certification for colleague is that one of the other main differences for the colleague with dual certification is NPM members must take a liturgy exam. Um, would you mind talking about this just a little bit? Sure. Um, so the first process is uh, for to 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 we we are kind of in constant communication. So our exam coordinator would reach out to NPM, let them know that this candidate 
has um, been able to uh, to apply for both. And uh, we will administer our exam, exactly it is, but we don't get involved with the NPM portion except from a reporting standpoint. So it's so important that the candidate is engaged on both fronts. So you want to be sure to be in conversation with the NPM uh, coordinator for the exams, as well as the AGO coordinator. When we finish our portion, we report back to NPM, let them know of the grades and all of this stuff. So any certificates, things like that come as kind of separate portions of, of, uh, of both entities. But we're, I, I think that's a great collaborative model because it allows the autonomy of each of the, of the institutions to kind of put their own exam on, but at the same time collaborate in this venture. And um, I want to say that this was maybe about 20 years ago that this came about, or within the last 20 years, I want to say that the, that the partnership came out. And I know certain people like Al Fedak, and others who were on the certification committee were really instrumental in making this happen. So it's been yeah. really good. I, I've been pleased to, to be a part of it. I've actually been um, one of the byproducts, if you will, or the beneficiaries of the dual certification program for service playing and colleague in both duels. So I'm very pleased about that. I mean, really, we're already out of time. And I, I wish we could take the time and talk about the AAGO and the FAGO. But to me, I guess that'll have to be a part two because I know in the choir master, of course, yeah. but um, I think, I mean, I think we'd be doing a disservice if we tried to squeeze them in right at the end of our chat. So we'll have to do a part two on those. But again, one last thing, you mentioned it, but I want to make sure we really drive it home. How does someone get started? I think, you know, this is January. It is a great time to set New Year's resolutions and goals. And I think that this is the focus of exams. It is a personal goal. One of the things we hear consistently is that people feel such a great sense of reward when they complete it and when they go through the process. So I would encourage everyone, if you're even remotely thinking about it, go to the AGO website, see what's involved, take a look, listen online or on your ever your, your favorite streaming music service, listen to the repertoire, pick pieces that you like, be be intrigued and and fascinated by the process. This shouldn't be anything that becomes a chore. Uh, we've tried to make the repertoire so that it's really interesting, it's fun, it's useful. Um, and this is just a great personal goal. So go to go to the AGO website and if you feel like it's for you, go ahead and apply and start the process. Excellent. Vince, it has been a pleasure to chat with you about certification today. Thank you for your time and your expertise. It is so appreciated. Thank you. Thanks so much to Vince for his time today. For more information about the certification options available to you, visit the show notes of this episode at ministrymonday.org. The recording of Gift of Finest Wheat was produced by Oregon Catholic Press, and today's theme music was produced by Aaron Chows. Today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. 
With the Spirit's gifts, empowering us for the work of ministry, thank you for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next time on Ministry Monday.